Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Energy Speaks Back, powered by Hark. My name is Paul Webb. I'm the founder of B2B Energy, and I'm your host. We'd like to thank our sponsors today, B2B Energy and Clean Energy Revolution. Energy Speaks Back interviews energy experts from around the world. Welcome to episode 43. Weekly, I present to you experts from around the world. And today I'm in Charlotte, USA. And our purpose as always is to provide a good understanding of energy management knowledge from around the world, which is available today for us to deliver savings that impact on our planet. My guest this week is a highly respected CEO and electrical and electronics engineer. His quote is, together we are driving energy forward for our future. So without any further ado, I give you Shibashish Bomik. Good afternoon and good morning to Sheba. And how are you today? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me on your incredible podcast series. Excellent. I'm sorry you've had to probably get up a little bit earlier this morning, Sheba. <laughs> um, it's the afternoon in the UK and I can it's, see your curtains. It's are my honor to do this. Not a problem at all. I can see your curtains are pulled, ready for that sun to come up. <laughs> There's a slight little gap right now. So, but I mean, as the sun comes up, yeah, I'm going to be soaking in all the sun as I can. So, brilliant, brilliant. So, Sheba, um, we've been speaking quite a few meetings on Zoom um, and through our LinkedIn connections. Can you give us some background to yourself and who is Sheba? Yeah, I'm uh, probably uh, don't get to wear very many hats, but over the last 10 years, I have been an entrepreneur. I'm going to uh, talk about, I mean, primarily those 10 years and and how the previous probably 20 years have shaped me into becoming that. So prior to being an entrepreneur, I was uh, basically uh, what they call in the US, it's a double E uh, with power electronics background, electrical engineering and power electronics background. Um, many years of activities in that in that kind of a forum and uh, developed many products with respect to power electronics, which is the intersection of electrical engineering and electronics, high power and high voltage in those days, uh, at least the high voltage, high power electronics, the intersection of it. Um, over the last 10 years, what we found out was that um, uh, there was some... Um, nuances to be had based off of the existing technologies or with respect to um, how power electronics was being evolved and uh, the societies more and more energy sources coming closer to home through photovoltaic and electric vehicles allowed us to create some new opportunities. And so the last 10 years we have been dedicated towards uh, a new platform and a new architecture of power electronics. Uh, Hopefully that becomes the prevalent means of uh, delivering electrons back and forth between photovoltaics and home and lights and all Mm -hmm. sorts of gadgets that we use for everyday use. And uh, my background essentially, as I said, is a double E and uh, my journey started back in India Uh, where I went to school, I grew up over there and 
And um, in 1990, I moved to the United States, um, um, got a PhD, um, master's and then PhD in the United States at Oregon State University. And then over time, moved throughout various places in the country, multiple startups, um, pretty big organizations uh, by themselves and also startup operations. Had an IPO event at one point, has an exit in California through another startup venture. And um, in um, 2011 is when we founded SignWatch. And uh, since then, I have been with SignWatch. Right. So there's a couple of things there. I love the double E. I'm also electrical and electronics engineer. So it's interesting that we've both got the same background. Um, I've never heard it called double E, but I'll remember that going forward. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the US, we tend to call it a double E degree. So, uh, right. and in, I think in India, they call it triple E or something. I cannot remember, yeah. Right. And you are obviously familiar with uh, IEEE, right? Uh, Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. Yes, yes. The world's largest professional body, as they call it. I think I was a member of it once upon a time. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm a senior member of it. So, Right, excellent. And so should we be referring to you as doctor, PhD? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I, I tend to, I mean, I have forgotten everything. I mean, uh, I think back in those days, we used to be dab, always talking in terms of Maxwell's equations and stuff. I mean, those things have, have evaporated and gone away from me for many years now. So, but um, it is fascinating to bring um, uh, incredible innovations and inventions that has happened over so many years, right? Hundreds of years, you know, in a way of humanity's progression. Mm. towards energy systems and how we are delivering it through electricity today. Um, and uh, I just feel that it's uh, incredibly humbling and, and, honor and um, uh, an opportunity really to be part of that venture to, to help the society to move forward even further. Right. And now you're is it the CEO of, of um, Sign Watts? And you're leading that that group to with the innovation of, of electrical and electronics engineering, and you're taking the lead on that now, yes? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, 2011 is when um, I believed that there was a creative and a innovative way of looking into power electronics again with respect to how to uh, miniaturize and, and siliconize and make things more integrated, so to speak. Um, there's significant amount of integration that has happened in semiconductor devices and, and all sorts of information technology uh, resources that we utilize, like your computers, cell phone, from those big devices becoming smaller and smaller, right? So that level of integration hasn't happened yet on power electronics for some fundamental uh, barriers. Mm. And so uh, when you try to look at, I mean, what are those uh, showstoppers or, or, or rather the difficult pain points that needed to be solved to overcome those barriers, that allowed an opportunity 
as uh, as an opportunity that exposed itself, which needed innovation to move it forward. And so we filed a patent in 2011 on that front um, that um, significantly miniaturizes uh, overall component count and 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 integrates the components onto pieces of silicon as opposed to having many circuit boards um, doing the activities and then. As you know, probably in power electronics and electrical engineering, they have magnetics because it's all about electromagnetic fields, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's at the end of the day, it's all fields that moves through the through the wires and 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 electrons that are um, induced through the metal. Um, so so there is magnetics involved. There are passive components like capacitors involved. So they become quite bulky and. And cumbersome to utilize. If you are, if we are able to make them miniaturized and smaller in size, lower in weight, uh, smaller in footprint, then everything becomes much easier to manage, handle, and and manufacture. Yeah. So that was the objective, and we found an opportunity taking this technology in the photovoltaics. So that was the core innovation was in photovoltaics, and then. About 2018, 2019 timeframe, we realized that the impact of that same technology in electric vehicles is, is truly profound and transformational. And so that's what we have been working towards So since then. And uh, we, we demonstrated the technology's capability in the field uh, with uh, major strategic partners and utility involvement and the utility industries R&D um, Let's just go back to the design of this, these products by making them smaller and um, addressing the, the, their functionality. You're also making them more efficient. So they're going to draw less energy. So that's immediate benefits to what we're trying to achieve, isn't it? Without even trying to look at its functionality. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. So there are two pieces to this. When we are talking about photovoltaics or batteries or other kinds of power conversion, one piece is definitely the efficiency, right? So, and yeah. I know this is close and dear to your heart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about the efficiency in the conservation of energy, um, or rather, uh, conservation of uh, or, or utilization of uh, lowering the energy usage, right? The footprint. Yeah. So. So that is one piece. The other piece to, to this uh, operation is also uh, not only the material count within the component or within this particular gadget or device that we would make, how can we also reduce the footprint in its overall reach of making a system happen? Mm. That is external to that, the overall external impact of that particular product, of the, that particular component in the, in the ecosystem of its system. So um, that is where this is all headed, right? I mean, with our decarbonization effort, what we are finding out is that, I mean, in a very nutshell, the, the, the complexity of the electrical system and the, um, the footprint related to the, the emissions, the emissions footprint, can be really driven down if we can increase the efficiencies of all of our energy usage and energy generation significantly. And then the other piece is if we could deliver and generate energy and store energy with the least amount of material content. 
If we could do these two, I think our carbon footprint would exponentially get reduced and we can then also keep increasing our um, electrification world, so to speak, not just for transportation. I think in the future, we are going to have uh, our entire homes getting heated with electricity. And so that we are, we are headed there and um, we need more efficient and, and lower footprint solutions to be able to do so. So all this innovation, I've always imagined when, when we when we talk, it, it's all around the EV industry. But what you're telling me now is that this innovation can be addressed across the whole of the electronics industry, whether we're yes. making whatever components we are looking to manufacture, we can adopt this innovation to give us, so we could have electronics making electronics that are more efficient than they were before. Yes. That's quite mind-blowing, actually. Shifu, yeah, I mean, it? well, so, I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> this is this is the story I tell the, some other uh, friends and other colleagues, is that I wanted to just get going and have this solution for photovoltaic and probably within a few years have an exit and get out and probably have some fun and and enjoy myself on a beach or something, right? But obviously, the universe had a different plan. And as we delve deeper and deeper into the solution space of this technology, we are finding some very impactful uh, applications of it. And uh, um, we don't take credit for uh, the prevalence that we are seeing with electric vehicle. We do not take that credit, obviously. Uh, there, are, um, there are leaders that have already established electric vehicles to the point where it exists today as being the next frontier of our transportation devices or vehicles. Um, but what we found is that if we apply our technology to the next generation electric vehicle platform, and we don't have to get into the technology aspect of it, but at a, at a holistic level, that electric vehicles or the electric vehicles of beginning about 2025, 2030 and onwards, will transform our energy systems throughout the planet. And, uh, and that is very profound. Mm. Um, as you know, the reason is very simple. It's uh, renewable energy, be it wind or solar, is intermittent, right? So you understand that. And so we need incredible amount of storage, not only for long-term uh, storage purposes, but also for intermittency aspect throughout the day. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there is no easier and a simpler way to make it happen. If there was a solution like that, by um, engaging electric vehicles when they are just simply parked to utilize their resident capacity to help the grid, and so it serves many purposes at the same time. It's not the not just the grid of the present grid; it's the grid of the future and how energy systems would be deployed in the future and how we'll utilize energy. And so there are many aspects to this, but overall it goes back to the same discussion that um, I think you started on that theme. It is that efficiency and material consumption. Yeah. The reduction I, of both of them. I mean, I'm increasing the efficiency reduction of material consumption. I like taking a step back. So uh, Shiba, you said, about um, you wanted to sort of 
build this up, exit, and then have some fun and relax on the beach. But don't you find, and I'm finding this at the moment, that has always been my game, you know, and my goal and mindset. But just lately, this has become more fun. I'd rather do this than be on the beach to be addressing I, all these solutions for the future is more fun for me than laying on the beach, chilling out, having fun. I completely agree. And uh, so it's like, it almost seems like, I mean, you may have seen these cartoons, right? There is always this carrot hanging in front of me. Yeah. And I'm trying to go to that. And it just exactly. So that's how it feels like. But um, I mean, taking the, taking the, the humor out of that, there is a humility aspect to this too, right? I mean, yes, it, it truly is an opportunity. The way we, I, I mean, we view ourselves at SignWatch and also the, the folks that I operate with and I, I mean, you, you, you yourself, is that it truly is an opportunity for us to be part of this endeavor mm-hmm. and being at the time frame that we are in to make that change. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? So we should be just humble that we have been given this opportunity to be able to do so. And, and at the same time, have fun doing it because it's what that's we right. I mean, passion. You know, yeah. we've all got the passion for it. That's exactly right. I mean, yourself, Brian, uh, my, uh, my, friend, my friends in, in the U.S., Les and others. I mean, it's, it's energizing. We just rub off each other to propel each other even harder and move faster, right? So that's, that's how, what, what we are finding. And um, it's like almost no stopping right now. So yeah, let's talk about your vision regarding. You, you alluded to it regarding uh, EVs being used to act as a like a, a power station. Can you elaborate on that and where that's going? Because people talk about it. Is is that technology here today? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I didn't mean to make this into uh, um, a complete session on that aspect, but, but it's an uh, interesting aspect. But, but it, is, it? it is it is it is it, that's right. Is it it is an interesting topic of our times, and so why shy away from that? I completely agree with you. Yeah. So um, the vision is this, right? So um, electric vehicles are typically, at least in the US, these are statistical data they remain parked 96% of their lifetime or slightly higher. It's uh, <laughs> when you have a capacity of energy storage that big, we are talking about like five to 10 times bigger than anything that you can hang on your wall in your house, right? Sitting on wheels and, and can be dispatched both physically and also notionally through the electrical systems. <laughs> On, on the notice, on, on any, any moment, right? So, um, so why not utilize that resource? And what is fundamentally stopping utilizing that resource is having the infrastructure to do so, um, not being built into the electric vehicle. The simplest way to make it all happen is to have it all built into the electric vehicle so that the cost collapses, and cost means material. When once the material cons- and the, um, the material footprint collapses, efficiencies improve, then it starts to make all the economic sense. Mm-hmm. So that's why the electric vehicle doubling up as not only just the transportation device, but the grid of the future is so crucial to make it happen. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's um, when electric vehicle begin um, getting on the road in a meaningful manner, say mid 2000s. And then, or, and then um, we were starting to see a lot of traction with electric vehicles beginning of last decade. And then now we are seeing significant amount of ramp up of electric vehicles. The present architecture was only geared for the 100% transportation. But it is becoming more and more clear that the present architecture will have significant challenges if we have to also burden the same infrastructure for 100% renewables, which is intermittent in nature, and also now with all the resiliency, reliability issues that are cropping up throughout the planet. Yeah, we've seen it a lot. With respect to. Yeah. So that's why it is uh, crucial that uh, we may have to holistically rethink this yeah. platform once again. I mean, we can do it. Uh, humanity has all the resources and uh, innovations. Thankfully, we don't have to innovate on new laws of physics. The physics is there. The science is also developed. We now have to scale it. Utilizing those technology with the innovations like what SignWatch has brought to fore and others are also working on it. And uh, we have to allow these innovations to come to market quickly. With um, EV, I, my biggest concern with EV is the infrastructure, the existing infrastructure we have with the distribution, the transformers. If we said, forget about where we're going with this, we, we've all got EV cars because petrol and diesel is going to disappear. So we're all driving around. We all plug in our cars. And if it's like, when I leave my house, I forget my, I look at my phone. Oh, I haven't got much charge on my phone, for instance. So I'm looking for somewhere to plug that in. So everyone's going to be in that same mindset of, I need to put my car on charge. Not my phone, my car. Big difference. So I can see the infrastructure starting to go, ooh, it's going to struggle with it because it's struggling now. So the long-term strategy is it's got to, we've got to start thinking out of that box. And I'm thinking that what you're proposing, I say you're proposing and the future could happen, that could ease the infrastructure because where we're taking it off in that area, we could be putting on at the same time. It should balance it out. Yes. <laughs> you, you summarize it because you can, you, you grasp it, right? I mean, you, you can, you are internally um, internalizing the issues yeah. already connecting the dots with respect to cell phones and laptops. I mean, just the other day I walked into a, a restaurant with my laptop and we were sitting together and I was immediately looking for <laughs> where to plug. I know what you're going to say. Even yeah. though I had the feeling that I had at least 50% juice in the, yeah. in the batteries of the laptop, I was still looking to where to plug in. And I, I quipped over there with my friends, oh, this is range anxiety. And so that's exactly <laughs> what we are finding, right? Exactly. With electric vehicles, it is the range anxiety, whether, whether we know that we only have to go 10 miles, but the anxiety still remains, what if? Yeah. What if um, my wife calls me and says, you have to go another 100 miles mm. and suddenly you have to deliver this for my friend whatever the situation is, and we have to be prepared for it. And uh, to your point, 
the infrastructure that is being deployed today for transportation electrification is scaling linearly. I mean, think of our mainframe days and laptop days, right? So those are very stark differences. Yep. Mainframe deployment of computers, the younger kids wouldn't even understand that. You and I would can relate that. So I'm having a little fun talking about that with you. I have used punch cards in computers too, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> very early days. Um, so um, those mainframe computers could only scale linearly. So you have one mainframe, you can serve 200, or maybe in those days, maybe 20, 30, 40 users on terminals. And we have, all have to be in that facility to our work. The, the world changed the moment we were able to get to desktop computers. Now everybody had the capability to connect and uh, generate information, create uh, stories. I mean, the 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 and the and the and the interpersonal relationships through emails, and then now we have social media. The world changed, right? The the linear scaling versus the desktop and then the laptops is called the exponential scaling, and that was brought about by miniaturization and reduction of footprint yeah that's that's what is going to happen with electricity and our and our and our ways of utilizing electricity just by sitting back that could happen quite easily but we need to drive it don't we there needs to be some drivers in this and what i'm seeing is obviously you're driving it from a component level Are, are there are we seeing manufacturers looking at this are there manufacturers that are keen to drive this? Because you said it's going to have to start from the car technology. Yeah, the, so uh, let me address the, uh, your question in two pieces. You said, uh, I think uh, essentially what w- there are two pieces to this. One is, can it get the, the commercialization traction through the existing industry? We'll attack that soon. We'll talk about that soon. But before that, you said um, it is the car why, right? So the vehicle. So <clears throat> the key enabler. So let's start, start with the technology and then we talk about the marketplace. Yeah. The key enabler of all of that is energy storage. Because of the intermittency and the variability of nature and, and how renewables that we have today, we do not have an infinite renewable resource that generates power for um, um, ad infinitum, right? We don't have that. Uh, geothermal may be one capability, but geothermal doesn't scale that easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are we are probably looking at solar and wind for the conceivable future. And that requires a lot of energy storage. And that's why the electric vehicle, because the energy storage is so um, intense in the electric vehicles and so the magnitude of energy storage available to us, is so high that it it makes perfect sense to utilize that resource for that purpose. So that's where the the vehicles and the cars of today and tomorrow will be very crucial for making this transformation happen. So that's one piece, which is the dual functionality of the electric vehicle as opposed to gasoline vehicles. Um, Now the market traction piece is frankly uh, the, the, the incumbents 
are have been behind for quite a few years to the market leaders. There are a few market leaders, the innovators that have driven electric transportation pretty significantly. And they have probably, I mean, you can look at Wall Street. I mean, their stocks are flying. Yeah. And the others are trying to catch up. And so their biggest pursuit right now is to how to keep the businesses going and make that transformation on the on the on the transportation electrification side. So moving from fossil fuel based or gasoline vehicles to electric vehicles. So they are heavily dedicated on that. It is now the uh, startups like Signwatch who do, doesn't have that baggage, so to speak, or that burden to carry. It is the responsibility to a certain extent is with us and the venture capital to make that transformation happen and, and, and allow that technologies to be shown told to the marketplace. And then the market leaders are going to jump on it. So that's, that is how it, it, is, it ought to play out. And there would be in the process, there would be uh, both market transformation and market disruption in that process. So uh, the, the early adopters will probably benefit because the trend is already headed that way. And uh, um, there are regulators in, in, in California, regulators in other parts of the world, in particularly in Europe, are, are strategizing how to deploy electric vehicles for the grid. And so that, that the way to probably put it is that arrow has left the ball. It has been shot, and so so that that change is already coming, and we we will be instrumental in making that happen. Excellent. And dare I say, I was expecting the a brand name to be mentioned here. <laughs> um, is is the main brand been discussing this in any way? Have you had you have you heard rumors that people like Tesla are involved with this? Um, I, I wouldn't go into the necessarily the industry uh, folks, most of, I mean, you are very well immersed in that space. So you understand who those people can be. Mm. Um, we are talking to multiple um, OEMs, uh, the automotive original equipment right. manufacturers, yeah, yeah. their tier one suppliers. We are talking to geographically in different parts of the planet in that same, so similar ecosystems all over the planet. Yeah. We have been talking to at least three different geographies so far. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll leave it at that uh, just because I don't want to compromise anybody. Yeah, because everyone knows that car manufacturing is yeah. broken down to various different ecosystems. But there so you, you only have to look at the ecosystem element of that. And I, I totally get that. Um, it's just for me, it's an interesting disruptor. You've mentioned the word disruptor, you know, and that's straight away people would be thinking of that anyway, you know, because it's the right thing to be doing. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's a very harsh word, right? Disruption is a is a is a harsh word. It was coined by the famous economist slash mentor um, for most of the business world, uh, Clayton Christensen. Uh, disruptive technology. And so he went into extensive details in many of his books to explain sustaining technologies versus disruptive technologies. 
if disruptive technologies weren't brought to market by the venture capital and entrepreneurs and innovators, then we would still be using very fancy eight-inch floppy drives right today. We're not even be using them. We're still be yeah. using the pen and paper. Maybe. Yeah, probably yeah. Even, even older than that. <laughs> but I mean, he goes into extensive details in his books to talk about that. And uh, given the opportunity to the incumbents of those days, they couldn't see how a three and a half inch floppy drive could disrupt the eight inch floppy disks, right? Exactly. So you probably know these, uh, that's why I'm using these examples, not to make us look old, but uh, most of the kids probably wouldn't know that. I mean, <laughs> in my team and others. So, so that um, was those um, entrepreneurs and those were enabled by formidable VCs and venture capital to, to make that all happen. And then uh, we saw uh, how Apple, um, the Apple computers, I mean, going to say a purely hardware company how they drove the innovation for the platform yeah these are these are stories that have that have played out and they will echo over many yawns for us yeah. right so uh, and that level of involvement of both the financial the purely the private uh, the, the financial industry in driving innovation is crucial to make this change happen and so um when we talk about disruption, yes, there would be some level of consternation in the existing world, but uh, the world of opportunity is going to open up. How we transact energy, how we utilize our resources, everything becoming healthier, the planet cooling down. It's, uh, I mean, it, it, is, it, is a, it, is a, it is a bold new world that we'll be walking into and embracing those days. I, it, it excites me. To even speak about that. So, so Shiba, as a leader in this area, have you got any predictions of when we could start seeing this more active? Yeah, um, the predictions are. Um, I wouldn't say that I, I, I it just automatically formulated in my head, but uh, you can you can see the the trend from the regulatory world. You can see the what they call is the diffusion of innovation patterns for these industries. And then you start connecting those and then you add on the, the natural life cycles of existing technology versus the disruptive technology, that pattern of adoption. If you put in all of these pieces together, what we are finding is, um, so it's regulation, innovation cycles of these kind of difficult deep tech technologies and then the adoption cycle uh, once we put all of these together, we are seeing, I think the prediction would be mass scale deployment of the technology will begin about 2030 timeframe. The, formula, the formulation of the regulatory structure will be fairly well done. It's not completely done, but fairly well done where marketplaces will be in place about 2030. But prior to that, um, our engagement with the industry will will happen during the five years before that. So 2025, 2030 is when deep engagement, material um, involvement in the manufacturing process, all of that is happening. I may be overly optimistic, but you know, I mean, 
if we 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 have to we have to speed this process up yeah and um, you are already seeing the signs of not doing enough uh, by portland oregon heating up that's where i went to school right i mean in that yeah. state so it's i mean unprecedented 116 degrees f in portland and 118 in vancouver bc it's unbelievable so these are just uh, unprecedented times we are living in. And so these are trends that are already happening and we have to only speed up our solutions to get to, to cooling down the planet again. Yeah. Seasons are changing radically. Um, keep talking about this. We, in the UK, um, growing up, April was always April showers. It would rain regularly for five minutes. We'd have brilliant sunshine, then rain. Brilliant sunshine, then rain. All day long the whole of April. We haven't seen none of that this year. What we have seen is probably the wettest May. So we've actually seen some movement. And, you know, the dreaded thing is that we're going from four seasons to, to two seasons. We're either summer or we winter. You know, we see we have um, heat waves in the middle of the winter. So it's definitely changing. We can't deny the fact there's some form of climate change. Um, and things have got to change. We've got to do things to, to stop this. I always say that we can't necessarily stop climate change, but we can definitely slow it down. That has always been my belief. Um, we've got to do some a lot of radical things to really stop it. Yeah, I mean, we had a global experiment that actually we had an opportunity. Sadly enough, there was always a silver lining to the COVID experiment, the COVID yeah. event, right? So, and that silver lining was. <clears throat> If COVID hadn't happened, we probably wouldn't have had that opportunity. Maybe something else would have cropped up. And not that I'm championing an event like COVID should ever happen, right? I mean, it's 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 unbelievable the the miseries and the life that we have lost, right? So, um, but what it gave us is this: when we all stopped on a global scale, life started coming back biodiversity was again flourishing in certain areas, right? I don't know all the details. I'm not a bioscientist myself, but I mean, I read. And so I don't want to go into the extensive details of it. But um, we know from a data perspective that the emissions reduced immediately yeah. by good in certain counts by a good 8 to 12%, right? In various different ways that you look at it. And that is very significant on a, on a global and, and scale. And very, very quickly. And, and very quickly. And across the world, yeah. And across the world. What it meant was if we stop doing exactly what we do every day, if we just stop, we get that level of emissions reduction. Yeah. So what it means is that we must be doing something wrong. and <laughs> Exactly. It doesn't exactly. take a, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure this thing out, right? I mean, and so what we have been trying to say is this, that we, we cannot stop our economic development. Um, as you may have heard me talk about this before, 85% of humanity still lives in geographical areas that has the highest potential of growth. And so when that group of people, 85% of us, are going to come mainstream like the developed world, can you imagine the amount of energy they, the planet yeah. will be utilizing? Yeah. So 
how can we bring them also have the same lifestyle and everything that I have gotten to experience, yet not make a dent on the on the planetary scale with respect to emissions, right? The only way or, or the easiest way, I should probably put it, is to drive down our energy footprint for every GDP that we generate, right? So, and that is called energy intensity. By lowering our energy intensity for producing every GDP activity. Mm. And so the simpler way of putting it is we have to figure out how to do exceedingly more with incredibly less. That doesn't mean our lifestyle will get any compromised or will be unhappy. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that I don't have to carry 15 devices today, a GPS and a personal digital assistant and all other things. And I have only my cell phone. I'm pretty yeah. happy with that. Yeah. So that's the level of innovation and integration that is still remaining for us with energy and electrical systems. So. Yeah. I had a lovely um, podcast yesterday with um, a lady from Nigeria. She was telling me when she was growing up, she fell in love with the light bulb being on. And she used to love falling asleep with it being on. That's, and it's just amazing how I come into my room, I just turn my light on. You know, I've totally got it taken for advantage, the, <laughs> the fact that I'm going to have light. And she used to, she fell in love with it. And she's now a lawyer in energy. Wow. And what a transition, you know, that's unbelievable. What and a fascinating story. Yeah. And she's writing policy for Nigeria regarding wow. energy. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I encounter some phenomenal personalities every day from Africa, India. Mm. And um, I, I, <clears throat> I do feel that, uh, and of course, that 85% of humanity, a big portion resides both in India and other parts of Asia and in Africa. I do believe that uh, we do have an opportunity, right? So that they can, that that, population of us that are in in that area we can leapfrog everything that we have done in the western world because we had to do it the hard way deploy the systems and and then generate it to our homes and 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 disperse it and distribute it i think there there is an opportunity because of the availability of renewable resources cost has come down so much uh, the deployment rate is so high um, that we can actually leapfrog the present infrastructure and go back and, and, and essentially what we call is the wireless energy systems. We call it wireless energy systems is more akin to probably micro, micro utilities on either on wheels or micro utilities in neighborhoods. And, and then they are all connected together to create, a, create that big network of electrical systems. So, Shiva, this is an amazing story. I'm really sort of excited about it as it's involving because I've I've dreamt of what you've been doing regarding this, and always thought, you know, could we do this? And it is an amazing story, and I'm I'm really praying that it develops further on your journey. Um, so I'd like, as you know, to put my guests on the spot with regarding <laughs> my famous question: Is there anything that you could? give back to the industry today as a takeaway from all the experts listening to, 
to your words today? Well, I don't know. Um, so um, the way to probably look at it is that the industry has given me an incredible amount of um, happiness to be even part of this. And people have embraced me with love and joy and, and made them and made me part of the system and allowed me to even talk about these things. So I, I am honored and humbled about that. I think uh, the biggest thing, and I think you have already gone down this path, Paul, the biggest impact that we can probably make is <clears throat> helping our next generations flourish because they, are, they will be the ones, they will be the harbingers, they will be the torchbearers for this vision and, and making everything um, with the lowest footprint, seamlessly making the least amount of dent on the planet, on the biodiversity, on the impact, on all other kinds of life forms and making the planet that humans can, humanity can survive and, and, and coexist with other forms of life. So that's probably the best thing that we can do is to how to figure out how to quickly bring the next generations and uh, and then impart whatever little we know to help them flourish in their journey to become the new leaders for us. Yeah, so true. That is very true. And I, this is about you today, but um, I I totally believe in that, and that's why I, I wrote a book. Believe it or not, Shiba, I wrote a book when I was about thirty, and it's a children's book. I, I didn't plan it, but it's got a a solar and wind aspect to it which i'm hoping to publish one day it's because i want to teach children what we what you and i are going through and the journey we're going through and i think it's really important that we give that knowledge i've got 40 years of knowledge that i'm i'm using this these platforms to give back you know and i'm doing that through the 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 voice of other experts as well so it's it's so important that we educate and make a, a, the awareness for the, the people coming through and the students um, currently. So you're very yeah. true there. Yeah, I mean, I as I said, I think, I mean, I always admired the amount of um, giving back that you already do um, in any manner or format, wherever I can help you in your purpose, just let me know and I'll be honored to be of service. So um, and it, and I, I obviously... And Shiba, it's not to me, it's to the industry that you're being given the service. That's even more value. Right. I mean, through you, because I mean, you you have been so dedicated and I always admired that activity and the zeal in you that, I mean, you you are nonstop. You're going at it. And mm. um, and I feel I feel embarrassed to a certain extent no. <laughs> when, when I see you do so much. And and then and, and here I'm just in, in that same wheel of that innovation thing. And I don't get the time in certain cases to, to contribute as much as I would like to. So any opportunity that I find through you would be an honor to. I, to I call with. it a relay. You know, we, we pass that baton. When I go to bed, I'm passing the baton over to you guys. When you go to bed, you're passing it to me. And when you wake up, you're, you're there supporting. So this is this baton going around the globe. With that's, that's correct. What we're talking about here is the Clean Energy Revolution Group, which we're we're a part of, and you're part of other groups and networks. 
that are really taking this story to to the people she's amazing so sheba really appreciate your saturday morning i can see it looks like it's got lighter behind them curtains so i'm hoping you're gonna have a beautiful day there and uh, i hope that sun generates plenty of energy around uh your country yeah i'm glad i mean the last few days have been somewhat okay and um yesterday or day before we had a little rain and it has been some very pleasant weather so we'll take advantage of this long weekend too um happy fourth of july um yes yeah i mean we celebrate that in the united states and it's a lot of fun time with friends and i hope everybody can celebrate and and enjoy so and that's tomorrow and that is that is tomorrow yeah well, I hope that is Independence Day, isn't it? So happy Independence Day for you tomorrow, uh, Sheba, you and your family. And please, you and your family stay safe in these times. Yeah, thank you, Paul. And the same to you. I enjoyed the conversation with you as always and as look always. forward to having many more sessions with you and the team at Clean Energy Revolution. So, Yes, and we must jump on Clubhouse soon and, and have more debate. There you go, yeah. That's right. I mean, we should actually have do that more often. Thanks, Talk Shiva. to you soon, Paul. You have a great weekend. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for our special guest today. And thank you for our sponsors, B2B Energy, which can be found on at b2benergy.co.uk and Clean Energy Revolution, which can also be found either through various different social media networks. Type in hashtag clean energy revolution that leaves me with one more thing to say be safe